Hello and welcome to another episode of You Want to Do What. Today I've got Johnny playing on and he is actually the co-founder of Pouch and a commercial director at Global Savings Group. Hi Johnny. Hey Daniel, thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Um, Should we jump straight in then? Do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, will do. So as Daniel said, I'm the co-founder of Pouch. Um, Pouch is a free-to-download money-saving browser extension. Uh, A browser extension is an app for your desktop like Chrome or Safari. And effectively, we built Pouch to solve the problem of searching for voucher code. So, you know, we've all been there before, have a product in your basket, going to search for a voucher code, realize that all of them are broken or don't work. So we broke Pouch to kind of fix that broken journey. And once you download pouch for free on your on google chrome when you get to the checkout page of over three and a half thousand retail stores pouch will automatically apply all the best available voucher codes in one click uh, so yeah great for consumers great for black friday um, and that's what we do uh, we started the business in 2016 and the reason daniel gave me a dual title in my intro is because we sold the business to a company called global savings group in 2019 uh, where i'm now a commercial director still growing the pouch brand and the pouch business wow so how did this journey uh, of becoming an entrepreneur actually begin like where did you where did you start um i actually started at university um i had this idea for whatever reason that I wanted to put on a student concert to raise money for charity I can't tell you I've never even really been that into music I can't tell you why <laughs> I thought I wanted to do this but it's something I wanted to do before uni I wanted to put on the student version of uh, of Live Aid um, <laughs> yeah. because nothing existed like that before and I thought you know people want to give back and it'd be quite a cool thing to try and do so I went to uni with this idea of I want to work out how to put on this concert. Um, and I came across this amazing organization called Students in Free Enterprise, SIFE, now called Enactus, um, an incredible organization. Anyone that's at uni or going to uni listening to this podcast, definitely check them out. They're basically the largest um, organization of student social enterprises in the world. They're active in like over a hundred countries and each university has its own team. And then the teams create projects that are judged and um, the winners complete in this global competition, but um, it's really about just oh, you've got an idea, let's try try and make it happen. So um, I got very involved in this student organisation. Um, it was technically a limited company, um, and yeah, within the first year, with no budget, we managed to put on this student concert and raise around five thousand pounds for charity, which was uh, amazing considering like literally no money was spent to put it on. It was just all negotiations and favours wow. and things like that. So. That was my first, or maybe not a venture, but project in creating something out of nothing. Um, and I did a bunch of other things. So I ended up being the commercial lead of the Nottingham team of, um, of SIFE. And I started a like small businesses there with targeting students. So like a student storage business, don't take your stuff home after, you know, when term ends, store it with us and we'll, you know, we'll drop it back in your halls afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold... I mean, we did the standard bake sales, I think, as well. Um, uh, got involved in like creating affiliate schemes for, for companies who wanted to target students. So basically referral sales, just lots of different small projects to earn money to then, um, and then that money went to the social enterprise projects that we were running. 
so yeah, that's where that's where it started, and I credit a lot of my kind of drive and creativity to what I learned as a student uh, doing stuff with them. Wow. So then that kind of, you got the taste for, for entrepreneurship and, and running businesses. And then did that lead on to, what did you study at university, first of all? So I did economics and Chinese studies. Wow. Uh, I went to uni 2009 to 2012. Mm-hmm. So at the time, you know, every newspaper article was um, China double digit growth, Chinese economic miracle. Mm. And uh, I thought, oh yeah, this would be quite interesting to study, learn some Mandarin, see where that takes me uh and yeah it was a really good degree really really enjoyed it but no nothing like i didn't do business management or anything typical of what people would think when you think oh you're gonna go go start a business okay so you you know you've been cutting your teeth at university trying a few businesses as well as doing a degree after you finished uni what did you sort of decide to do from from that point so um i didn't know necessarily what i wanted to do straight away but i knew that eventually i definitely wanted to run my own businesses so um, I wouldn't say I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but I def- definitely come from a family of self-employed people. So um, my dad, you know, was a, a financial advisor. Um, you know, he won't call himself an entrepreneur, but, you know, built a small practice and it was, you know, always him making his own money. Same mm. with my grandpa, ran a small like textiles agency. So the word boss and promotion and bonus and all these things, I never really grew up with that kind of language being used. Mm. Um which I guess has affected me more than I thought um, as I've you know, become an adult. Uh, but I knew I always wanted to do my own thing or at least try, at least try. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the successful people around me, um, my dad says, you know, if he could have been an accountant, he, he was never clever enough to be an accountant. He would have been if he, if, if he could. So they were all accountants. So he said, go and get your um, accountancy qualification. You don't need to work as an accountant, just go do the exams and pass it. And then you've got a tangible skill set you yeah. can take uh, take elsewhere so um you know i didn't want to go and work in a bank or anything like that so i thought okay do this and um and see where it goes so i got onto the ernst and young corporate finance grad scheme wow. and uh yeah it was it was it was it was cool so i did an internship with them uh got offered the job and that was in my second year and then i deferred it for a year so i was able to do like, go traveling and do all that fun stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I joined in September, 2013 and, you know, very intense. Um, mm. I don't know if any of your friends have, have, have done these grand schemes, but effectively it's like you're, you're, you're up or you're out. Yeah. You know, you do, you're doing 15 exams to, to over a two year period and then three years of practical work. And if you fail the exams, you get fired. <laughs> <laughs> like no additional pressure at all. Yeah. So um so ey was a an interesting experience um you know i went in there on my first day and they were like oh why why you know why are you here and i said oh, i want to pass my exams and then leave to go start my own business and <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah and they were like uh so you don't want to be a partner i was like oh I, d- I don't know like maybe but i don't think so um <laughs> So it was, it was a bit of a slog. And I mean, that didn't impact the work I did. And, you know, everyone was very nice. But sure. um, for, for what I found frustrating and, you know, maybe what a lot of people find frustrating if they, if they do work in what to go to corporate is that a lot of your career progression has nothing to do with your skill set or your talent. Yes. It's to do with, yes. how, you know, budgets and, you know, how well the partner's done and the managers and how long people around you have been doing. And, you know, the work was 
fine. Luckily, I did corporate finance and not audit. Um, so I did do like the work was okay. I mean, I still effectively was an Excel, you know, mm. yeah, and, and doing PowerPoints. And I'm um, I'm dyspraxic, uh, which okay. never really affected my earlier school life, but not but not later on. Like I got straight A's and all my exams and stuff. But um, there are some things I'm just not good at, like spelling and formatting and like you know we have tools that allow us to do that and it doesn't affect the output or creativity or things like that but the things they valued were you know having a whole investor slide deck or anything like that you know really spell check and perfect and everything lined up correctly within you know the nth degree millimeter and i just like just couldn't do it. i just wasn't good at it i just as, as hard as i tried i kept missing things because my brain just works in a certain way um, this is so, this is yeah. honestly i am feeling so much uh like symbi- symbiotic with you right now because i that is not exactly the phrase i was looking for um <laughs> empathy, <laughs> <I> maybe <laughs> empathy that's the one symbiotic i don't know where that came from anyway sympathy um for you because that is exactly how i felt uh, in in the corporate world you know i i went and did um insurance broking in in the city of london um and what frustrated me was the ability you know your progression is not on you it doesn't matter how hard you work your progression is still in the hands of other people and i i think what's that called dis disprac disprac sorry what was that uh, what my uh learning disability yeah what is that dyspraxia it's um you've got dyslexia which is about reading and 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 writing i could always read and write and that kind of stuff it's it's actually just about like spatial awareness and um it's like different different challenges yeah. um always very good at maths could always write all that kind of stuff but i'm just like not good at like aligning stuff on a slide to the perfect degree and yeah my spelling's very poor um yeah that's interesting that's really interesting i have the Maybe same you're undiagnosed of... <laughs> yeah that's really interesting okay but then so, so you were you know you didn't feel like the corporate world was quite right for you so then what was your kind of next step it wasn't that I didn't think it was right for me. Like I, I was kind of enough of a grafter that I kind of over, overcame those challenges um, and and worked hard. I just, I found, especially at EY, that like I said, you know, that your, your progression has nothing to do with you, but mm. also the learning plateaus a little bit because really like these, these corporates, I don't know how it was in insurance program, but in professional services, you're really learning from the people around you. And in these big, corporates or, or in these big firms that don't pay that well but are very safe and ey is exactly that massive employer they yeah. pay below market rate but you know you're never going to get fired very rarely you're going to get fired and a lot of people just kind of trod along mm. which meant that all the managers i had they were only there because they had been there long enough and just had been too scared to leave all the good people leave yeah you know, they can go, you know, we're doing big hours. They go to investment banks and earn triple the money for maybe 10% more of the hours. Yeah. Um, so I just felt that, you know, I was tr- learning from this very mediocre level of middle management. And I was like, you're not dynamic. You're not intelligent. You're just here. You're just a cog, like, and you're happy with that. And you're going home at six and you're doing whatever. And you're earning your 70, 80 K after 10 years. Um, which is fine if that's what you want, but it just wasn't for me. And I just like my ambitions and everything were just dying there. Um, and that's not everyone's experience. I learned a lot. They treated me very well. I'm not saying anything like that. This is just personally how I how I felt 
um, from thinking this is, you know, it's more just saying, I can't see this path for me for the next five years, 10 years, whatever it may be, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, your experience is exactly my experience. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. Exactly how I felt uh, about working in a, a large corporate sort of uh, company. Um, so, so you're, you know, you, you've done that. What was the decision to go? Actually, I'm, I'm going to go out on my, my own now. How did you sort of actually make that step? So um, Ben, my co-founder and pouch was a friend of mine from school. And uh, he told me, he, he, he worked in the, the pouch industry, so affiliate marketing, uh, which is effectively um, a type of, dig- like a, a, an arm of the digital marketing. So if anyone listening is in digital marketing, it will be part of a digital strategy where you drive sales through referring traffic from one source to another. So easiest example is a blog that writes about Nike shoes. Nike will have an affiliated relationship with that blog. And if someone reads the blog and then buys a pair of Nike shoes through a link on that blog, the blog will get paid a commission. Um, kind of how Amazon grew in, in, in the early days. And the biggest players in those in those in in that sector are voucher code websites and like a lot of other technology partners. Um, and uh, he worked at a, a technology company doing, you know, affiliate marketing technology. And he was seeing like all the voucher code sites. And he, he basically said, you know, if we do this with a browser extension, we can kind of turn this industry on its head and, and, and grow something there. So that was, he came to me with the idea kind of halfway through my time at EY. So halfway through my three years, um, nothing really happened for the first six months because I was doing my exams. He took a job in Singapore, a, a lot of different things. It was just basically two mates chatting while looks over <laughs> playing a game, table tennis and, and a beer. Like it was just like, oh, imagine this, imagine that. Um, But Ben uh, kind of, he took this job in Singapore he thought would be like his next career move. And then it didn't work out. And he came back in January 16 and was like, right, I'm fully committed to pouch, fully committed to pouch. I want to try and do this. And I just finished all my exams in December 15. So by that time, I was like, right, I've basically got a a year where I need to work, where I've done all my exams, where I can't leave until that year finishes because... um, I'll like have to pay back exam money and all, all these like these rules around qualifying as an accountant. But in my spare time, evenings, weekends, let's work on this idea. Um, and we then met like a technical co-founder, and the decision was, you know, it's such a risk to go and start a new business. And everyone around me was like, "You're 25, like or 26." I can't remember how old I was. I'm 30 now, so I should. It's not too long ago. Um, you know, it's potentially if business has failed, you've got no experience, blah, 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 blah. And my thought was, <laughs> what I really wanted to do was go traveling again. <laughs> that's, that, that's what I really wanted. So I thought, okay, let's give this a go. Even if it lasts for six months, mm. I would have really cut my teeth in a, in a, in a real way. Um, I was living at home. I'm very fortunate that I was born and raised in London. So, and I feel that for a lot of people wanting to start startups, having moved down to London, like having to earn money, it's a big, you know, barrier. I was fortunate that I could live rent free. My parents paid for my meals and stuff. You know, I just, uh, I acknowledge that that's a privileged position, but, you know, trying to try to make the most of it, employ people sure. and that. Um, but I was like, right, this could like, maybe it will last for six months. I'll go traveling and then I'll come back and, you know, interview and get some jobs that I'm really interested in. So it was more of a decision, like a risk decision thinking, what do I have to lose? absolutely nothing i've qualified up to my exams i can always get my old job back um 
there's like I'm not a very um, materialistic guy. So when a lot of people, you know, trying to push for like big promotions and earn money and all these other things, I was like, oh, I can like I only need money when I have responsibilities and I have no responsibilities. So mm. um, I was like, why not? Like there's like there's zero reason for me not to try and do this. Yeah. And it was that mindset that kind of helped me, you know, well through doing the business as well. But um, it was just, yeah, why not now or never? Awesome. So, so from your point of view, we're interested obviously in careers and having mm-hmm. started your, your startup, mm-hmm. um, how did you go about hiring people? And what was it about somebody that made you go, oh, actually, you know, yes, this is the person for our startup. What kind of qualities did, did they have? So, I'll tell the story about how we met our co-founder Vic, because I think that's a like it was a very rare example, but a good a good story into like attitude. Um, so Ben and I have, were going to use our savings to pay a uh, developer to build the minimal viable product of Pouch, and then use that MVP to go off and raise some angel funding. Uh, we were introduced to Vic through. It's actually a funny story. So I was on the tube coming home from EY and I bumped into a friend from uni. She was like, how are you doing? And instead of being like typically, you know, tie-lipped and everything's great, my life's great, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, actually a bit frustrated at the minute. Got this really good idea. Know how it will work, but like need a technical person to do it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, it's funny you say that. My colleague at work, Vic was working for a digital agency at the minute, is like, he's, you know, looking to try his own thing too, but he doesn't have an idea that he, that he likes. Um, so we met Vic, he lived around the corner from me in North London, which was just the craziest <laughs> coincidence. Like what yeah. are the odds? Literally a 10 minute walk away, met in Costa, presented him the pitch deck and he was like, I like it. Let's, let's meet again in a week after we've digested, came back a week later and, you know, Ben and I liked him so much. We said, instead of us paying you just to build this, we want you to be like our equal third co-founder. Oh, amazing. And he said, yeah, it was like incredible. And he said, I'm glad you said that to me because if you'd offered me to, like to pay me to build this, I would have said, no, like I want to be part of it. So mm. he wasn't looking to just take our money and, 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 and run. He wanted to be part of something. And that was like an amazing yeah. co-founder finding story, very rare. And I don't, you know, if, when I start a new one, I don't know how I'd go about finding a technical co-founder again, but um, that's how we did it this time. Mm. Really so, so, so then on from there and you're building the startup and you, you know, you're starting to hire, yeah. what kind of qualities are you looking for in those people and what makes somebody stand out? Cause we always talk about the importance of portfolios and not just marketing in the traditional sense of portfolios, but portfolios in anything you're trying to do examples of maybe work you've done or projects, side projects you've done, but what was it to you that really made people stand out? Um, I'm going to give the honest answer which was anyone was willing to work for what we were afford to pay, <laughs> right? That helps, at the yeah. start, at the start, there was none of that, you know, thinking about culture and everything like that. It was like, what mm. skills do we need? Um, and that, you know, everyone we hired within the first six months mm-hmm. um, after we raised like a very small, also we raised, you know, we did the whole business on a shoestring budget. We raised, um, I think the first round, we raised a hundred grand and then, about six months after that, we raised 180. Wow. Um, well, no, we were, we were a bit more than that. We raised 343 grand in total. But, you know, that goes a lot when you're spending on digital marketing and, and, yeah. and, and everything else. And um, 
so initially it was like whoever could you know people that would do we, we never did unpaid internships we had a rule against that like everyone mm-hmm. should be paid for their work um but anyone that you know wanted an intern salary or there was a guy that um he, he was like worked in a bike shop but had done a coding course and was like wanted to get some experience as a developer so you know vic was Vic's a very experienced developer was willing to like train him up a little bit because he didn't cost us very much at all so anyone that could work for what we could afford at the beginning um none of them lasted too long because you know the skill sets weren't lasting or the job that we thought we hired them for wasn't what we needed them for six months later in terms of when we could really um start hiring people um anyone that just got on really well with ben vick and i like that got it there was a culture fit there was a personality fit um in terms of skill sets you know everyone was learning on the job as they went so just that that um ability to like just self-improve and say right you need to figure out how to do a mailchimp gmail integration mm. you know someone that's willing to like read blogs and teach themselves like you can teach yourself absolutely anything these days yeah you really can there's so much on youtube so much content linkedin learning all these other things anyone that was just willing to 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 learn and um had a good attitude we hired for attitude over skills always Sorry, quite a rambly answer, but I think no, I've got no, no, that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. We we don't often hear that to be honest. That's a really honest answer. That you know, most of the time, and I think people forget this. It's it is actually really important to come across really well in the interview and actually have very similar values to the people that are going to employ you, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think. Um, classic founder thing you 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 employ people that remind you of yourself because it feels safe mm. which meant that we were like a very male we were three male co-founders and like like a 90% male team as well mm. so that probably wasn't great we didn't get the diversity in there but it was always something we were thinking of and it's not like we didn't try and hire women um it just was difficult like we were only a seven or eight person team um so yeah definitely fell into that trap of like hiring yourself which i think happens loads in like investment banks and, and vc where everyone seems to be a carbon copy of the person five years older than them sure um yeah and, and i think did, i think it happens did you ever look at things like cvs did you use linkedin like where were you finding people um so the, the <laughs> I'll, I'll just try and go through the hires that made sense so um ben's brother um he just finished doing the same course as me in Nottingham, very smart, capable guy. He, he joined the team. He hired some of his friends. So all like, I guess you just call that network, right? Um, yeah. yeah. People that are looking for jobs. Um, we used recruiters to get some tech people. They were never really that good a fit. Like we hired one guy, I, I'd say the whole hiring for attitude thing. We hired this one guy that was a really good fit in terms of the skill set, but just the attitude was all wrong. You know, he was in at 859, offer 559 or 459 you know um just did the job and left and that's just not what we needed in terms of building a startup i'm not saying i want anyone to like do extra hours for the sake of it but it was more like the inflexibility and just like you can you know what i mean it just didn't it just didn't just didn't work yeah um and uh one guy so because we were going on dragon's den and after that, we got quite a lot of interest from people wanting to work with us. Um, made a bit of a splash in the industry, like the performance marketing industry. So we had a few people applying directly to us. The best hire, um, in my opinion, was um, 
actually no, we had a few really good hires. The guy that ended up being our marketing manager, he was running like um, like a competition Twitter page where people followed his Twitter page and he would repost all the free competitions and built a widget for people to enter. I was like, you're clearly cool. like a little bit technical when you know yeah. what you're doing. And um, he ended up being with us, you know, right, you know, for two years and post acquisition as well. And then we found some amazing developers um, just off some of the, like the niche uh, community websites as well, posting jobs there. So like, I think uh, three thieves or a few other things like that. Um, so a real, smack like smuttering of places like there was no there was no strategy there was no um real thought it was just who do we get on with and and any channel these guys they could come from absolutely anywhere it's a really interesting because i think this for people thinking about their careers and obviously you know this is what this podcast is about the startup world is a really interesting space at the moment in literally every industry um there's so much going on uh, you know tech is changing industries left right and center um we've had people on talking about agri-tech for example um which is amazing if, if you ever have five minutes to have a look at it it's um it's going to change everything about agriculture um uh, i we did quite a lot of startup accelerators um, yeah to mainly save on office costs but there was one guy on one of those and you know i had no idea about farming like growing up in central london like yeah, no yeah. idea he his whole business was this box you put on your tractor that if you deviate left or right it will tell you basically like a level for your tractor and if oh, you go off cool. a straight line it will beep it was all yeah. about getting tractors going straight lines i was like that's crazy <laughs> i think he's done pretty well to be honest yeah, I mean, but there's so many great things. And as a founder of a startup, you know, pretty recent as well. If somebody is like, well, do you know what? Actually, I want to go work for these guys or whoever. And they put a proposal together or they just message you on LinkedIn and they say, look, this is what I could do. This is what I can offer the business. Is that something that as a as a founder you'd, you'd be interested in? 100%, like undoubtedly. Um, my advice I give to my friends that, and not from a startup background that want to join one is look on any of the UK startup websites, UK tech news, for example, see who's just raised their seed round or their series a don't, even if they don't have the jobs open, mm-hmm. email the email, the co-founders say, this is who I am. This is my skill set. This is what I do. Um, I, I want to interview for your company because the biggest challenge in growth, one of the biggest challenges of growth is hiring good people. Yeah. And, you will get straight through the door, mainly because you know the founders will love that their company's been seen by, by someone, but also, I know this sounds silly, if you're not coming through a recruiter, they're saving 20% on your salary. Yeah. So obviously they'd, they'd take you and that's a genuine that's a genuine thought. If you're between two candidates, one coming through a recruiter, one that's not, you're gonna take the one that's not come through a recruiter. So absolutely do, do that. Um, you've got nothing to lose as well. And even if they say, oh, you know, not hiring, but keep you keep you in mind, like, um yeah but great great idea mm. well johnny it's been a real pleasure chatting to you all about startups and careers and how to get into them so thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat pleasure thanks daniel um where can people find you what you're up to sure uh so add me on linkedin uh johnny plain and follow me on instagram uh, at johnny plain got my mm. handles down amazing thanks johnny